0: I wanted to remind you, we're going to be taking communion today. So if you don't have your communion supplies already, go ahead and take a few minutes and get what you need. You can be creative if you need to. So if you don't have uh, exactly communion supplies, get you some bread or a cracker, that'll work. Get you grape juice, any juice or even water will be fine. And then towards the end of service this morning, we'll be taking communion to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the forgiveness that he has given us. Well, what takes place on a field like this can feel like an all-out battle. You have two sides in opposition, fighting against each other, clashing against one another, doing whatever it takes to win. Because that's the point of the game, right? I win and you lose. My kids have played sports for the last several years, and I see that come out in them, that desire to win. But I'll tell you, and you probably know this too, that nothing, I repeat, Nothing compares to the parents' desire to see their kids win. And I have seen parents and coaches and and other players and the fans get so involved in that desire to win, that desire can be so strong that they will go ballistic over a bad call or even worse, a missed call. You've seen this before, right? Everybody stands up and they're yelling and they're screaming. You've got to be kidding me. Come on. That's not, what's the word? That's not fair. So maybe more so than even our desire to win is our desire for fairness. We have this inner need for things to be fair. That is unless it benefits us. But what happens when we are treated unfairly? What happens when the call doesn't go? our way. You see the subject we're going to be talking through today might have you wanting to do just that stand up and yell at the at the TV or the screen, Brian, you've got to be kidding me. Come on, that's not fair. Because what we're talking through today most certainly is not fair. What are we going to be talking about? Forgiveness. And no forgiveness is not fair. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus was talking with his disciples and he begins to discuss with them this idea of forgiveness and more so how we are to forgive. Luke chapter chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus says, Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, did you hear that? Even if they sin against you seven times in one day, and they come back seven times saying, I repent. Look, he says, you must forgive them. Verse five, I love the apostles' response because obviously that's not fair. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. In other words, forgiveness is so unfair. It takes so much more faith. It takes faith to forgive. It takes a lot more faith to forgive the way Jesus calls us to forgive. To forgive when we don't feel like it, to forgive when it's not deserved, to forgive when it still hurts. See, that kind of forgiveness, it's not easy. Now, what's easy is what comes natural. Right? It's a lot easier to hold on to the grudge and hold on to the offense. It's easy to be bitter and resentful, it's easy to be angry, it's easy to hate. To forgive, oh, especially when it's not fair. That's difficult. And it requires faith to forgive me pray for us as we go through and walk through a challenging subject this morning. And I pray that you would not just take it seriously, but that you would take it to heart. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the forgiveness that you first and foremost have given me and have given us. Just as you command us to forgive others, our prayer is the same prayer that the apostles asked for that you would increase our faith. If we are to forgive the way that you're calling us to forgive, then Jesus, we need a lot more faith. I pray this morning especially as, as emotions are going to be brought back up, as difficulties are going to be brought back up, as we are going to be reminded of all the hurts and betrayals that people have caused against us. I pray that you would give us clarity of mind, that you would give us clarity in our heart, that we would listen to your voice over any other voice, Increase our faith today so that we can forgive the way you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been studying through and looking in the book of Acts, particularly paying attention to the very first church and what that first church was like. The church has been growing, but as it's been growing, so has the opposition against the church. In Acts chapter 6, we're introduced to a man named Stephen. And Stephen is one of the seven, we looked at the seven last week, these leaders in the church that stepped up to take on new responsibilities in the church. But Stephen is also known as the first martyr. He's the first Christian to be killed for his faith. And it's his story we're going to look at this morning. Follow along with me. Acts will start in chapter 6 in verse 8. We're told this, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 9, look, Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. In other words, the religious leaders. And look what they did. It says that they, the religious leaders, began to argue with Stephen. So here we see that battle. We see that conflict, that opposition We have Stephen on one side versus the religious leaders on the other side. And what we'll see is this back and forth, what I'd call a pattern of opposition. Stephen did something and then the religious leaders responded in another way, fighting against him. And then Stephen is going to do something else. And then guess what? The religious leaders are going to come back and push against him, that opposition. So here, Stephen has done great things in the name of Jesus. And of course, pattern of opposition. The religious leaders argue against him and they take it even further. It escalates. Look at what they do, verse 11. Then they, the religious leaders, secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen, they arrested him and brought him before the Sanhedrin, their religious court. They produced, look, false witnesses who testified This fellow never stopped speaking against the holy place and against the law. So they retaliated by bringing in false witnesses. That's not fair. That's not right. They're now spreading lies about Stephen. Stephen versus the religious leaders. Now Stephen's going to respond. And how we see him respond is the rest of chapter 7. If you read through it, Stephen gives a sermon and he preaches his heart out. And he calls out the truth. See, as the religious leaders started spreading lies about him, Stephen comes back and speaks truth. And he begins telling the story, the history of their ancestors, of the Israelites. He begins with Moses and goes all the way through Solomon, showing the pattern of the Israelites going against God again and again and again. They would follow God and then rebel against God. They would come back to God and then they would push away from God. But then he turns a corner. He had been talking about their ancestors and how they rebelled against God, but then he looks straight at the religious leaders and starts saying, you. And I imagine him saying this with a finger pointed right in the religious leader's face and saying, now you are like them. Look with me, Acts chapter seven, the very end of his sermon. He says this, you, talking to the religious leaders, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who, pers- who predicted the coming of the righteous one. That's talking about Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. It got personal, didn't it? It started talking about their ancestors, but then he turns and says, no, you are just like them. Stephen versus the religious leaders. So, of course, pattern of opposition. They come back and look what they do next. Verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Do you feel this escalating? It's about to get worse. Verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him and dragged him out of the city began to stone him. Stephen didn't deserve this. This wasn't right. This wasn't fair. Stephen didn't even pick this fight. Surely these religious leaders will not get away with doing something so terrible. Verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out. This is it, his final moments, Stephen's final words. He says this, he prayed this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and died. Stephen's final moments, his final words was a prayer, a prayer of forgiveness Lord, do not hold this sin against them. See, there are two lessons that I want us to learn from Stephen. And in the midst of a, an extreme situation of opposition, of this back and forth, there are two lessons that I want us to learn and to take away and begin to apply in our own lives when we're dealing with opposition, whether it's to this extreme or not. The two lessons, stand for what is right, forgive for what is wrong. Standing for what is right, but forgiving for what is wrong. See, Stephen did both of those things. He stood for what is right. Think back. Remember the story when the religious leaders brought in the the false witnesses to spread lies about him. He didn't just sit back and take it. No, he stood up, didn't he? No, he preached truth. He spoke truth. He called out truth. Remember, you are just like your ancestors. So he didn't sit back and take it. No, he stood for what was right. He defended himself. See, Christianity is not an invitation to just be walked all over like a doormat. Christianity is not an invitation for other people to take advantage of us. No, we stand for what is right. So stand up for your faith. Stand up for your character, for your integrity, for your family. We stand for the people that are in need. We stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. We stand for what. Is right. Paul says something very similar, just in a little bit of a different language or different way here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, listen to the language he uses and how you can hear this, stand for what's right. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in what's righteous and stand firm in what's right. Be courageous and be strong. Just like Stephen stood for what is right, we are called to stand for what is right. But don't miss verse 14 do everything in love. So yes, we stand for what's right, but always in a way that is loving. We stand for what's right, but even when the call doesn't go our way, even when we're treated unfairly, we still do everything in love. So stand for what's right, forgive for what is wrong. Stephen in his final moments was not angry, he was not bitter, he was not full of hatred and resentment he acted in love, an ultimate act of love. By forgiving, he forgave what is wrong. Now, before we talk more about what forgiveness is, let's make sure we understand what forgiveness is not. Let's, let's make sure we're on the same page here. See, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't say, oh, we're just going to sweep it under the rug and, and I'm never going to remember it again. Forgiveness is not ignoring what happened. Forgiveness is not condoning or excusing what happened. When we forgive, we're not saying, oh, what happened? Oh, it's okay. No, we are not making excuses for it. We are not condoning. What happened is not okay. So it's not forgetting. It's not condoning. It's also not the same as reconciling. Now, can forgiveness lead to reconciliation? Sure, but not necessarily. Just because we forgive doesn't mean the relationship goes back to the way it was. Just because we forgive doesn't mean that relationship is fully restored. No, we forgive not to heal the relationship. We forgive to heal ourselves. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not condoning. It's not the same as reconciling. And as we've been saying, forgiveness is not fair. See, fair is payback, isn't it? Fair is giving what is deserved and getting what is deserved. But thank God, forgiveness is not fair. In Psalm 103, listen to how unfair this is, the way that God has treated us. Psalm 103, verse 10, He, God, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Did you hear how unfair that is? God does not treat us the way our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. No, even in our worst moments, God does not treat us the way that we deserve to be treated. He treats us with love. He gives us forgiveness. And no, it is not fair. See, that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving to others what God has given us. That forgiveness that we have received, now we are able through faith to give that kind of forgiveness to other people forgiveness is us giving to others what god has already given to us and we see that interesting connection don't we between the forgiveness we receive and the forgiveness we give do you have the lord's prayer memorized do you remember how it goes if so say it with me our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread here it is do you know the next part and forgive us our debts, what's the next part? As we have also forgiven our debtors. See the connection between the forgiveness we have been given and the forgiveness we now give. Again, Paul writes to the early church of Ephesus, Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Listen to how we shift, how we love and how we forgive, how we do what's difficult instead of what's easy. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Let those go. Verse 32, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Don't miss this last part. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiving one another because of the forgiveness God has given us. Yes, it's going to take faith. Yes, it's going to be difficult. See, Stephen gave what he had been given, forgiveness. Let's go back to Stephen's final words. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That phrase, that prayer should sound very familiar to us. If you go back to Jesus his last moments on the cross. What Stephen said sounds an awfully awful lot like what Jesus said in his final moments. Jesus' final words, remember? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Stephen, he is following Jesus' example, isn't he? Yeah, Stephen, he is following the very example of the very one he is dying for. Do not hold this sin against them. I didn't say it was going to be easy, did I? It's going to be hard. It's not fair because I know the the wounds are still there. The hurt is still there. The scars are still there. So let me ask you, what are you still holding on to? What are you still carrying around? What hurts are you still holding on to? What bitterness have you not let go of? What grudges are you still holding tightly to? What are you still holding on to against someone else? How has someone hurt you? How has someone hurt someone you love? What sins that have been committed against us are we still holding on to? You start to think through what those things are. and I get it. I'm not, I'm not wishing them away, and I'm not watering them down because they're painful. The hurt is real. The betrayals are real. The sin is real that has been committed against us. But Stephen's word, words that follow the example of Jesus' words: Do not hold this sin against them. It's not fair. It's not easy. But with faith, through faith, we can forgive. And that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that we, we forget what happened. It doesn't mean the relationship goes back to the way things were. It doesn't mean that what happened was OK, but forgiveness is not holding on to it anymore, and you have to, at some point, you have to let it go, not because forgiveness changes the past, but it changes your soul forgiveness changes you. And it's going to take faith to forgive like that. Through faith, and only through faith, can we forgive the way Jesus calls us to forgive. It's also through faith that we are forgiven. You see, you and me, we have received forgiveness that we do not deserve. In Colossians, Once again, listen to how unfair this forgiveness is. Colossians chapter two, starting in verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That the way that God treated us Based on our sins, the way that he responded to our sins, to our mistakes, to our wrongs, to our rebellion against him was not what we deserved, but it was a response of love and a response of grace and a response of forgiveness. We're told that we were dead because of our sins, but because of his love and his forgiveness, he made us alive that we were dead, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love, that's forgiveness. And because of Jesus's death on the cross, his sacrifice, but also his resurrection, our sins have been taken away and we have been given new life and eternal life. That's the good news. That God treated us unfairly. There is nothing fair about the cross. The forgiveness that we have received is not fair. It's not what we have deserved. So may you receive that forgiveness from God. Maybe for the first time, invite Jesus into your life. I'm not perfect. I've got so much in my life that I'm, I'm regretful for. I am dead because of my sins. But when you invite Jesus into your life, you invite that forgiveness into your life. And as we're told, we are given new life. Receive that forgiveness that you and I do not deserve. But then give that forgiveness to those that don't deserve it too. May we accept God's forgiveness. Remember what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is giving to others what God has given to us. Let's pray. Jesus, Thank you for the cross. Thank you for how unfair the cross is, that because of the cross and your sacrifice, that we are not treated the way that we deserve to be treated, that you have taken our sins away and that you see them no more. Your word tells us that you have taken our sins as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for loving us in a way that we do not deserve and we could never earn. Thank you for loving us in such an incredible and unconditional way. If we've never accepted that for the first time, I pray it happens right here and right now, that we would wait no more. But I also pray that we would have the faith that you would increase our faith so we can forgive like you have forgiven us, that we would stop holding on and that we would let go. Doesn't mean we forget and we're not excusing it away, but we would let go because it heals our soul and because it's the example you have set for us. May we give to others the forgiveness that you have given us heal our souls as we forgive in jesus name amen in just a moment we're going to be taking communion so if you want to go ahead and get your communion supplies ready go ahead and do that i also encourage you if you have it great uh, to bring a rock with you if not you can do this at a later time but before you take communion i want you to take that rock and i want you to place that rock somewhere in your home as a reminder of the forgiveness that you are giving to others. So it's this action, this symbol of forgiving others, placing your rock somewhere else, putting your rock down before you pick up and take communion, remembering and thanking Jesus for the cross and for the forgiveness that he gives us. The bread that you have represents the broken body of Jesus that was broken for me and you. The juice or the water, whatever you have, represents the blood of Jesus, that was shed once again for me and for you. So, in your time, put your rock down and take communion as we remember and thank Jesus for his unfair forgiveness.